Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peek. We are here, episode 114, with Becca and Julie. Hi. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going great. We just launched the Pulse. Our event coming up. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me more about (laughs) it, if you don't know. October 6th and 7th, it is uh, two two days, not two full days. We're going to try to end day two by around 2 o'clock. Eight different speakers, 21 different sessions. We've got Scott Stratton, the author of Unmarketing, New York Times bestselling author and keynote speaker. He's going to talk with us. Uh, Jeff Shore, talking about his his new book, Follow Up and Win the Sale. Melanie Diesel, who we had on the podcast, is working on a special workbook just for members who attend on content marketing for new home construction and new home sales. And then the thing I'm most excited about is we're doing something called Pulse 20 groups, where if you sign up, especially before September 15th, everyone's going to be in a group. Everyone will be in a group. But after September 15th, we're just going to shove you in any random group of people. I'm just <laughs> we'll, we'll try to still line up online sales and marketing, but we're going to be able to have time to curate those groups if you register before September 15th and make sure you're in with a group of people that are a good fit for you based upon your role, type of home builder you work with, those groups will not be more than 20 people. And we'll also be able to let you network with them and hop on a, a call or two before the event even starts. And either Mike or myself or Andrew or Jen will be there to moderate that introduction to your group and, and everyone. So you get to spend some more time with us before the event ever starts. And then when the event does begin, you'll have kind of like a, a separate channel that you'll be able to discuss the content that you're viewing with either the entire viewing audience, if you are, are like Mike Davidson or Kevin Weitzel, who loves just talking to everyone all the time. For sure. But if you just want to ask a question to those people who are in your Pulse 20 group, you'll be able to do that too, or comment or share um, key takeaways, even potentially create a, a team name for your Pulse 20 group and compete against other groups or prizes. We're only going to do that if it doesn't come across as corny or cheesy. But nice. We, that might happen. And so you'll be able to meet with them a couple times during the event as it's happening. And then also once the event is over. So if your home builder is part of a Builder 20 Club put on by the NHB, this is kind of a do you convert version of that for the sake of this event. So that you get a chance to network and, and create a, a couple folks on speed dial that you can can continue to work with after the event is over too. For sure. It's going to be fun. It's exciting. Yeah, I heard Scott Stratton a few years ago in Canada at a conference. He's amazing. He's awesome. Yeah, he's awesome a really good speaker. guy. And does what, he's, what he preaches. So it's important. He's really, really good. This is also why I, I think I talked about it last time. I bought my first airline ticket in I don't know how long because I'll be going out to Tulsa to be in studio with Mike. Uh, for nice. the first day in a professional studio. The second day will be in his uh, new office that he, he has there. So you'll get some more behind the scenes, <laughs> I guess, with Mike and I on day two. But it's going to be a lot of fun. You can go to dycpulse.com. Check out the show notes as well. Um, tickets are 4 dollars And if you don't 
mind being around other people at your company, you can buy one ticket and hang out in the conference room. doesn't matter. Now, it's going to get a little bit weird when you're in a Pulse group. We'll, we'll have sure. to figure out that one. But if you're a company listening and, and you can be in the same location, you're not going to be able to have multiple streams of it going out via a single login. That will not work. But if you're in one location or you want to go to someone's house, even you could in theory do that. Yeah. As long as, as long as you wear a mask and everyone else is okay with it. People should take the day off though for this or the day and a half. Yes, like- that is, there is a frequently asked question part on the site that okay. addresses this, but you should take the day off because there will be recordings, but we're not sending them to you for a long time. So eventually <laughs> you're going to have access to the content. But we're intentionally going to withhold that back for a couple of weeks to encourage everyone to attend live. That's the whole point of having an event. Otherwise, we would just record it all and run it on Facebook as a premiere video and you'd, and you'd watch it, right? So it's all about getting together. And that's, again, why those 20 groups are, are so important. Okay. All right. Let's shift over to story time. Julie, why don't you yeah. get us going? Yeah, so I wrote my first blog post for Do You Convert? So that was fun for me. You're a, you're a professional <laughs> author now. Well, you're I, a published I, author, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I am. So I write fiction and things in my in my free time. And so this was fun to do for Do You Convert? So I'm more of a seems like there's two kinds of marketers. There's the more big picture strategic naturally, and some people are more naturally prone towards the details. And so, you know, we need to be good at both, but I'm kind of that detail. I like my routines. I love a spreadsheet. I love a list. (laughs) So basically, I was just writing about how you can get so sucked into your to-do list and doing, you know, kind of those same things over and over that you struggle to step back and look at what you're doing that's keeping you so busy and saying, is this really what I should be spending my time on? Am I spending too much time? So that's kind of what was. I think I went through six things tracking metrics that don't matter. So just Mm. making your metrics overly complicated, not tracking them in the most efficient way. We used to tease one of my good friends in OSC at the builder I worked for about having a secret spreadsheet. And (laughs) Mike and Jed would say, stop it, just use Lasso. So I relate to that because I like Mm -hmm. secret spreadsheets too. Um, Failing to use your content efficiently. So basically just make sure you're focusing on the most important things first, good photography, a good website. And then as you're creating different things, virtual tours and podcasts and these things and spending that time, make sure you use them across a lot of different platforms. repurpose that content. Mm -hmm. So that you're using them. Uh, Attending unnecessary meetings. That one's pretty self-explanatory. Just people to tell people, no, I don't need to be in this anymore. Spending time fulfilling every marketing request. I think this one's hard for newer Mm -hmm. people too in a position because they start and people start throwing requests at them. I need more signs. I need more printed material. And you get so caught up in, you know, trying to meet all those needs that you don't step back and say, wait a minute, there's a better way to do this and ask more questions. You know, what really is the problem? Mm -hmm. And, oh. Two more. Uh, not knowing where your team spends their time. This is just if you have a bigger team. We would deal with this sometimes. We would have like a quarterly planning for our marketing. And somebody would reference a spreadsheet or a, some data or something. And we'd be like, we're still tracking that. <laughs> How long have we been tracking that? Who looks at that? So yeah. just make sure you know, you know what people are working on if that stuff is still being used. 
and then failing to leave time to innovate. And we've talked about this one quite a bit. Just the people who were sticking their toe in the water as far as remote showing access, virtual showings, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. They had a huge head start. So just leave some time for that. So yeah. I, I went through those really fast and you can go read the whole article. But <laughs> And especially meaningful now when everyone's busy, mm-hmm. but especially too, if you're new to a position, that's when you should go back to this article and really figure out. I mean, I, I've said this, I'm sure before, but the person who was at Heartland before me, the first thing I did was throw eight giant black trash bags worth of paper away from her office. <laughs> what? I mean, <laughs> there was insane. just paper and off. files everywhere from like years oh and goodness. years and years. Relics. Mm-hmm. And yet none of it was really well organized. It was just like there to make them look like they were organized. And so I spent, I mean, I would work eight to five and then from five to like 7.30 every day, I would just fill up more trash bags worth of stuff. And it felt so good to finally have an office that wasn't full of crap that was useless. And did anybody ever ask for any of that? No, never. Not not, not one thing was ever like, oh, I wish we had that. In fact, I'll tell you one more story. I don't even remember what this person's name was, or I I would tell you I'm not like withholding it to keep them safe. This person... (laughs) Every time that they would open a photo and resave it for web use or whatever, they would forget to save it as a copy. They would just hit save. And so they had also like ruined every, oh, every photo no. asset that was available to me for oh, newspaper use, which at that uh, time was still a thing. Oh, I had no. like three pictures. <laughs> so I remember it's like, um, why are we using that picture of the dad holding up the kid again in the front yard of the house? I'm like, because I got, I got three and that's the best one. <laughs> wow. That's awful. That's awful. Oh, this, this is probably a good time to review those. Is this actually important to do? Because if you have tons of leads coming in, I feel like you're more likely to get a, yeah, you yeah. don't have to worry about that anymore. Let's go ahead and get that off your plate. That's probably not doing anything versus what? opposite time when you're like, I, I have to do everything or you're whoever's in charge of you. And this again is why it doesn't matter what's on your content calendar. It doesn't matter what's on your to-do list. Julius put like all these other things that you create to like tell yourself what to do next. None of it matters as much as the traffic report slash sales report for your company. And even today that happened on a call just 20 minutes ago. (laughs) We were were talking and I was like, Hey, how many inventory homes do you have? We have like none that are old and we have four that are done. And so I'm like, hey, why don't we turn off the QMI ad, the quick move-in home ad on Facebook because those are going to go anyway. Everyone's looking for them. And the marketing manager was like, oh, that's my fault. I just sent the four newest ones to Becca just out of habit of that's what I do. And so then Becca took (laughs) Mm -hmm. that as updated and turn it back on, even though we had turned it off about a month ago in the same discussion. (laughs) So, you know, and that that, that case was doubly painful, right? Because Becca spent her time and the marketing manager spent their time uh, getting that information together. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking at a higher level about what is the sales goals and needs of my company, and right now, like we keep talking about, it's mostly how do I tone it down? How do I continue to focus on quality over quantity? Yeah. That's going to cause whatever's on your marketing calendar to probably be irrelevant because you didn't plan for that even as late in the year as March. <laughs> there was nothing that said, <laughs> be ready for the best housing market of our lives in August. It just wasn't wasn't a thing. Good problems. 
Andrew, lighten us up. You got a fun. Yeah, lighten us up. I, I just like the weather. You know, it's super boring. <laughs> I weather, gas prices. On these, um, like, I, I feel like these are like good old boys, small town, like news articles that I'm like, look, guys, this is so interesting. <laughs> so the, this is where I'm at back home and back home, like I'm away somewhere in Tampa. So it's, it's, I guess it's a bigger city, but Hillsborough County holds developer to pledge to build a bridge. So the developer, which is Eisenhower, which is the dirtdog.com, looks like this developer out of Netflix. I think it's the dirt dog. He's got this big old mustache. Like, yeah, so he, he owns a lot of land. Yeah, Eisen, Eisenbog, Eisenbog, yeah. So that's the developer. They promised to build this pedestrian bridge. And I think it was, there he is with this big, big mustache. Pedestrian bridge in this community that would have like three different parcels or, or phases, I guess. Okay. And to get the zoning changed. So they're kind of like, it's like, okay, cool. You could do that, but you have to build the bridge. Turns out because of the flood zones and the flood, what, whatever the terms are, the bridge has to be 950 feet long. And that's <laughs> not high. And it's going to cost $1.5 million. So they're trying to like, Ugh. we don't, we didn't know that. Like we've got to pull out of this thing. They're like, you said you'd build it. And the, the bad part is it connects. It's hard to read in the article. They needed like a diagram, but that section it would connect to was only 60 homes out of, I think like 700 homes total. So such like a small portion, but then that section then connects to the school. So like, it's important because everything kind of would flow through that, that smaller oh, wow. area, but you're like, oh my goodness, 60 homes. $1.5 million. Well, this changes my whole perspective. When you originally awesome. shared this in our Slack, I thought mm-hmm. if this was someone who didn't know better, you know, the, oh, no. the classic, you know, doctor, lawyer, someone who came into money and is like, I'm going to be a developer now. And so they're just, you know, throwing stuff out there, having no clue of what real costs are. To, I mean, this is a related idea. Just for fun, like everyone else, I go on Zillow while I'm watching House Hunters International in the background and mm-hmm. kicking my kids' butt. Like all of them now love watching it with me. And I'm like, which house are they going to pick? And I'm always right. And they're always like, how That's did funny. you know? So I don't even have to really watch it. Originally, I started watching internationals because that was the only, only one that would provide a challenge because I didn't know what our house is like in Italy and Greece and mm-hmm. Singapore. But now I've, I've, I've watched them all so much that it's like, yeah, I got it. Anyway, I'm on Zillow looking at condos and townhomes in Manhattan. I'm not oh, buying man. one. I'm just looking. No. Right? And I see this amazing, it's like a penthouse, two bedroom, two bath place on the upper west side of Manhattan, like two blocks off Central Park, $650,000, which if, if you've watched pricing there, it's just like, holy cow, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then you look on Zillow where it breaks out the monthly payment, and then the taxes, insurance, and HOA fees. Monthly payment, I think it estimated something like 3600 bucks or 3500 bucks a month. The HOA fees, the maintenance fees mm-hmm. on this unit were $4,500 a month. <laughs> <laughs> like even uh, if you pay it off, you're still paying $4,500 every month on maintenance fees. Wow. And that's why the reason I say that is it's like builder, people who don't know better and are like, look at all that land and I can buy that for a million dollars. And they don't realize yeah. it's going to cost them, you know, 3 million before they even get to the part where they could start to make some of their money back. Yeah. And so I thought that's the story you were sharing. This person yeah. looks like they should certainly know better. And they do a lot down here. Yeah. Um, so they're not going to get a, I mean, I can't imagine no. the local municipality is going to let them. I couldn't just, imagine. They're like, how many sorry. acres of thousands of acres have you developed in this one County? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know better. Yeah. It was a fun little funny. article. 
<laughs> oh, now you know more about what I do in my free time. Which, <laughs> uh, not surprisingly, has only something to do with real estate. Okay. Um, Becca? Yeah. What had do you a got? great week this week. An East Coast builder had their third successful virtual launch. They were originally a little bit nervous about their VIP count, but turns out they end up with more VIPs than they were than their goal. And then they had a wonderful number of appointments scheduled for their or during their event. And it was all virtual, right? Yeah, all Just, virtual. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the appointments were scheduled within a half an hour and there were quite a few of them. Yeah. And there, that momentum is just going to, I mean, that was just in the first 30 minutes. And these yeah. are, you know, seven to $900,000 multifamily units in an urban setting. <laughs> so this is, you know, yes. the classic, everything that you think is not as in demand to be able to do that all completely virtual the third time. And I mean, would you say two weeks ago, they had 200 people on the VIP list and their goal was 350? Yeah. And then they ended up just under 500. Yep. That's um, crazy. And they were, yeah. we'll get detailed without getting detailed because obviously I know the details yeah. of the campaign, <laughs> but they were, they pushed face, Facebook and Google, mm-hmm. right? For the VIP, which I'd say Google, we don't really talk about Google that much for building the VIP list. It tends to be Facebook is dominant, even though Google is important. You, I, I don't know. Cost relief yeah. will be higher on Google, but mm-hmm. Facebook is the quicker one if you need to grow your list. And then they had some copy change leading up to the, like the final day. So some, they did some things for urgency that mm-hmm. I think hopefully helped. It seemed like it helped. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think what's interesting about this too is everyone always has the excuse when they're talking to us or talking to themselves about something that we're talking about. They're like, well, but my buyer profile doesn't want virtual or my buyer profile wouldn't get on another Zoom call. And these are $900,000 townhomes. And they follow the process because they want what you have. And you've Mm -hmm. built enough urgency in the process that makes them want to participate and and continue to follow through. And at this point, I mean, we did it anyway. But now what's, what's fun is we've been doing this long enough with enough different kinds of builders that I can look you in the eye and say, yeah, no, we've, we've done the same thing for that, that target market, that kind of product. Like the first time or two, when this originally happened at the end of March, we're like, okay. I mean, that was cool, but I don't even know if it's going to work everywhere else or anywhere else. And it just keeps happening. So that's a good one for sure. And, And I don't know if it's just on my end, but we, tend to not get too much of the, with this builder in mind, the focus is just really more on the numbers versus like, you know, this is what we think the target audience is. And because I'm sure like the people that are buying, it's all over the place because at the price point, I'm sure there's double income, no kids living in that area. Then there's also just the older buyer also buying there as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I don't know, it's just interesting that we're just like, all right, push through with the, the strategy of Google and Facebook to build the list and go to the event. And it's just, not a disregard to the buyer type, but like if they're interested and they want it bad enough, they will make the technology work, um, mm-hmm. which their, their show up rates and everything seem to be like really, really, really good. Um, so they're definitely creating that demand. Yep. You're going to have to update your book now. I know. You're going to have to come out with a version too. I feel like what we need to do is just build a website for it where... Oh, it's ongoing. Yeah. You just get access to, like, it's it's always su- supplemental material mm-hmm. that assumes you ha- have the book. 
or something like that. But yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I'm and that really would have the it. audio version. Right. I think I say every time. I'm all for writing. I have two other books outlined and ready to go, but I don't, oh, I don't no. think I'm coming back to pre-sale for a long time. If I don't think. Let's see. <laughs> 2013 physical. Okay. My story time <laughs> is just something fun. You know, it's, it's less often now where something new or different hits me and, and it's a, a new kind of unique challenge. And we've got a builder out in California who, when you buy a house, you get a house for free, which is kind of an interesting way to approach it. Now, part of this, I think it could have generally been packaged in a more easy to understand way but they decided to call these free homes that you get when you buy a house a cottage. So is that right, Julie? Yes, a cottage is what they call them. And so when I say cottage, what do you guys think of when I say like, oh, we, it's a cottage home? I think of a she shed a in the story. backyard is what it's got to be. You think of a one-story home, Becca? Yeah, one-story home with maybe like two bedrooms, store three, and a couple of bathrooms. Yeah, it's like a ranch. Like, yeah. Like 800 square feet, like six, I'm a small, right? Like, yeah. See, I think that's because like you're that. near Disney, Andrew. Like you're, no, when you Disney. say cottage, you think Disney princess house in the woods or like something small, 800 square feet. I'm I just saying, I, yeah. you, you, I think you got pretty close to the actual square footage mm-hmm. of these things. You did. But oh, I did? whenever that's someone cute. says the word home, if they don't say tiny, I'm thinking it's going to be more than, you know, a thousand, 1100 square feet in size. <laughs> But these are cottage homes, and what is the term they're using? But what they really are is ADU, like Airbnb rental opportunities. It's a detached Mm -hmm. two-car garage for the primary home and then a parking space next to it for whoever should happen to live in said cottage that has a small kitchenette. It's basically an apartment over Above the garage? Above the garage, yeah. Part of it, oh, okay. the, there's like an entryway below, but then you walk up and there's a loft where the bedroom is. It's a but guest house. It, it's a guest house. Uh, yeah, there's, but because of this, one of the interesting problems is how many home builder websites have you been on that easily articulate the fact that you buy this 1,200 square foot, $1.5 million home and you get an 800 square foot cottage with it? <laughs> Yeah, I it's don't know. Just, I'm I'm, I'm on that builder site because I know mm-hmm. who it is, and I'm just trying to find it. And it's I don't even know, know which one. It right. Is. So from, <laughs> from a visual like perspective, like when you look at the pictures, how do you clearly communicate that? How do you phrase that? I mean, we had to work with them and on making sure that the description clearly yeah. communicated it. It's been a fun challenge, and I think we're making progress on getting the the proper attention. But originally, they said, "Hey, we we did this launch and nothing sold." And I said, awesome, I can do that conversion rate math on, on Zero. all that. But when I looked at the website, I was like, well, I don't, it looks like you're paying $1.5 million for just that 1,200 square foot home. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it was just a fun, I, we don't have the success story just yet to share on that one, but it was, yeah, it's just a fun challenge. That is a challenge. It feels like, you know, we're working on some things and it requires a little more storytelling a little Mm -hmm. more like thinking through where I'm putting what. So yeah, it just takes a little more thought into it. Like, you know, when you think of a web page or landing page or anything, you think of, you know, people are skimming it a lot of the time. So it's like, oh, where are they going to look? What are they going to read? We need to Mm -hmm. make sure they see this. So just taking a little more thought. 
This yeah. reminds me, um, so I went to school in Tallahassee and there's a big community up there. Tallahassee is the capital of Florida. Community up there, Southwood, I think Joe or something, St. Joe was a developer um, of it. And when you look for something for rent, back then it was like Craigslist was pretty much where you would look for home. Mm-hmm. And there's all these one-one studio apartments for rent in there. And it was just like, it sounds like this, like detached garage with like 400, 600 square feet above the garage which sounds terribly hot in Tallahassee, which is <laughs> yeah. awful, awful summers. But yeah, that um, cool concept, I think. Yeah. I would love it's one in office. Well, and, and part yeah, of the storytelling is you've got to be able to communicate, ideally, that your mortgage payment will be offset by the fact that you can't... They do allow long-term rentals of that. You can't do short-term Airbnb in that community, but they do mm-hmm. allow long-term rentals. And so what is the potential rental value of those units? And then, you know, once you have it rented out, how much does that help offset your overall expense? But again, not something that most builder websites are set up to do. And so bring on the landing pages and (laughs) bring on more storytelling and and context setting on it. So anyway, yeah. It's maybe like a flyover of, of the property itself so you can see that they're two different houses. Mm-hmm. And then oh, right up with the, here's the help for your mortgage and the rental income and that sort of stuff. Yep. All right, yeah. moving on yeah. to the news. First up from The Verge, Bill Gates calls Microsoft's TikTok deal a poisoned chalice. And my Love own it. headline of Dramatic. this is, which I feel, Julie, can you explain where that is there a particular story that the poison chalice is well known for? Gosh, I wish I knew. Is that the, the Odyssey? The Iliad? Something? Anyway. it really quick. I don't remember. Um, Macbeth. Oh, Macbeth. There you go. So <laughs> my own headline is, should Microsoft buy TikTok? And then also, should anyone buy TikTok? So, so Bill Gates is saying, hey... Sure, it's a popular social network, but it's going to bring in a whole bunch of other challenges for Microsoft to have to think about that they don't right now. Like Microsoft's social network is LinkedIn. Pretty tame by everyone's standards and not something that's been a focus of election manipulation or spreading false ideas throughout the country. And so he's like, well, even if they get it for a good price, like, you're going to be on the radar now for something that you're not and doesn't even really fit into how Microsoft is famous for buying uh, some larger companies and, and making a terrible move. Like just got like Nokia. I don't know if you guys remember that, but Microsoft and Nokia mm. were going to change the cell phone game. Mm. How'd that go? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Skype is out there, but Skype should never have allowed GoToMeeting or Zoom or any of these people to ever exist because, I mean, that was the verb once upon a time. Like, let's go, let's, let's Skype. Now it's let's Zoom. Is this really a valuable asset for anyone to be thinking about? To give you some time to think about this one, technically speaking, this is a nightmare. So even if Microsoft were to acquire them, the estimate is that it would take almost a year or longer in order to move all of the data, the data on TikTok and the servers and user data out of China. That's how much data is out there. That's crazy. They're saying basically Amazon, Google, and Microsoft are really the only companies who, from a technological standpoint, could make this happen without having to say, 
the service is going away for a while and we'll be back. This is incredible how much data is there. But is this something you think Microsoft should consider doing? I don't I don't think so. Of course I'm I'm not really a huge, huge fan of TikTok. And now that Instagram has reels, mm-hmm. which is similar, although I don't know if people that are like into TikTok are like, oh, that's the old people knockoff thing. Like that's not really that's not real. Yeah. Um like reels like that they're not a fan of it. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't think Microsoft would be successful at all. Just Bing ads are typically horrible. The interface, <laughs> LinkedIn ads, also awful. So if they were to like put the money into buying it and then bring it over, could they even profitably monetize it with ads, like with the way they've done their ad interface compared to like if Facebook owned it or if Google owned it? Not that that would happen. Could they even capture all the data that they're capturing now and be compliant with U.S. regulations? Right. They might have to do some. So there's the moving of the day that I talked about, but also they'd probably have to recode parts of the app to simply not capture a lot some of, of the data potentially. I hadn't thought about that. Yep. What if it, we just take Microsoft out of the equation? If someone does buy TikTok, someone even mentioned briefly that Twitter might do so. I think there's no way oh. in, in the world that, that that happens. If anything, TikTok probably should buy Twitter and try to <laughs> fix that platform. But if anyone were to buy them and really invest in, in trying to make it a, an actual competitor, yeah. flash forward three to five years from now, is there any way that TikTok becomes a solid number two, let's say, social media network, do you think? Not without fixing an advertising platform, I think. You've brought it up, Kevin, like the, the search and findability of things versus just yeah. the let me have this thing happened to me from yeah. TikTok. Like you're not yeah. in control. You can, I mean, you could click tags, you can search tags, but it's more or less like you're putting it on, you're just scrolling through the feed mm-hmm. and what yeah. happens happens. And then the algorithm based on what you probably spend time looking at is what then they shift your future experiences to be like, which then could be bad or not bad. Cause what if you're like, Oh, I'm really into these type of videos at this moment. Five yep. days later, that's all you're seeing. And you're like, Oh no, I want to change. I want X, Y, Z yeah. now. So I may just not be young enough to understand how TikTok truly is a social network. But I got to say right now, I just don't feel like it is. It's an entertainment network. Like Mm -hmm. I don't talk to anyone on TikTok. I think the only thing that's ever happened to me in terms of communication is Will Duderstadt sent me like a a golden retriever sticker or a cat (laughs) sticker when we became connected. It's like when Facebook had poke way back in the day. Like Will poked you. (laughs) Neat. This is weird. We'll poke him back. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I think Twitter is also a broadcast network, not a social network, because you can just scream out at anyone and you don't have to be connected socially. Mm -hmm. But it's more of a social network than TikTok is. So I think the the product would continue to have to be innovative. As it sits right now, I don't think so. Um, If they're able to find a way to make it a truly social network, then I, I do think it could have a shot. And if Microsoft buys it, I would say that what they really need to do is spin it out as a separate company. So it's almost like, okay, we're acquiring yeah. you. We're making you US-based. And now go forth and be your own company because if you stay with Spread us, wing. we're going to kill you. We will we're we'll re- giant ruin you. What's interesting is when TikTok stuff makes it to Facebook and Yes, that's, and that Instagram. has been interesting. Because like that... Yeah, I only see TikTok stuff on yeah. Instagram because I'm not on... And thing. then people comment. So like then there's the social people talk about it on there, but it's... Mm-hmm. I guess it all makes its way back to all of them anyways. It's, just it's almost like a video discussion. Canva. Like, yeah. oh, I could, it's a great way to edit video mm-hmm. and grab mm-hmm. 
audio content that someone else has already made and play on the memes and everything else. But yeah, it's, it's just not a social network yet. I don't think. No, I think in five years, we're going to be like, remember TikTok? Remember when TikTok was a thing? Remember, yeah, like Vine. Remember Vine? Yeah, remember Vine? Love Vine, yeah. Yeah, remember Foursquare? Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I even had this experience. I had a remember Yelp experience. Like I haven't used Yelp in four years and I went to go try to reserve seats at a restaurant for something. And it was like, you must reserve it via Yelp. And I was like, get out of here. Really? (laughs) That's, that's how I get a seat at your establishment. It's on Yelp. That's like encouraging all the people who are not happy to give you poor reviews because you had to use the service to get the seat in the first place. That reminds me my second or third or fourth distraction. So we finally got our, our gate, first world problems. We finally got our gate closed at our community from the builder. Builder was being mean, thinking that they got to have the gate open all day because they have a house for sale in the community that should have been sold a long time ago. I've told that. I've noticed today now you could say Yelp extremely loud by the gate and it will open as if it's like this emergency thing. Like have a you code to word? Test it. Like you're in trouble. You need to get into the gated for whatever reason. I need to go through so the you're gate. Saying, wait, 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 wait. This is like, bizarre. Yelp. I'll take a picture of it. <laughs> And share it with everybody, but it says use Yelp to oh, there's open a the sign gate that in says emergency. That? Yeah, it's like a little tiny sign. Oh wow! It's on the gate, and the, it's a gate for cars. It opens slowly. So if you were in trouble, I'm just like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. You're waiting for the gate to open while you're being chased by a raccoon or something. I don't That's know. bizarre. Yelp. They said Yelp, so that triggered my third story. <laughs> well, we've had enough fun, so now it's time to get okay. nerdy. This is from our good friends at Zato Marketing. They're the PPC experts that sure. come from non-home building space. We had, um, uh, what was that gentleman's name that we had on? He was amazing. He is Kirk. amazing. Kirk. Kirk. Yes. Yes. Love Star Wars from South Dakota. Yeah, mm-hmm. you remember Kirk. He had remember. the attribution um, article about not getting mm-hmm. obsessed. So we got a it. new one. And the, oh. the title is called The PPC Ascending Seesaw of Scaling Awesomeness. <laughs> and that is definitely not why I chose it. The reason I chose it is one, because we got to give something that challenges Andrew in, in dissecting and, and regurgitating oh, out good. for all I like, of us. I like this article. But really comes from my belief that overall ROAS, which is return on ad spend, is a really stupid metric for home builders to even be talking about. <laughs> So that's, as usual, Andrew's going to have to talk about how e-commerce companies might use mm-hmm. this process versus builders. But it basically sets up, and then I'll let Andrew take over from here or any, anyone right. else, that return on ad spend is a metric that a lot of uh, e-commerce companies might use, but that the amount of revenue you're getting and revenue growth, this, the scale of how it's growing, is is they're kind of conflicting goals. And and traditionally, you'd optimize for one or the other. Is that a good setup, Andrew? Yeah, yeah. It's hard to do activities in Google or Facebook that optimize to more efficiency. So like if we want to decrease the cost per click, but we want to get more clicks, typically those are like opposite things. You mm-hmm. don't normally do both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, so growth is saying, I want to grow the revenue and I'm okay with paying the money for it. Mm-hmm. ROAS, which again, I hate. I hate it, yeah. Return on ad spend. And then for the e-commerce, so like way back in the day when I was e-commerce, we'd have ROAS goals based on product lines, so different brands. Mm-hmm. And then we would have like the average margin 
or what we'd make per product line. So it could be like 10% or 15, 20, 30, 40. And then we'd go like, okay, we're willing to break even. And that would be like, that would set the ROAS goal. Um, but then ROAS is only revenue attributed to that, that ad or that campaign, not everything. So if you're, this kind of connects to the attribution um, article that Kirk talked about, there's stuff that won't ever have the attribution that is yeah. from that ad. So if you only go by ROAS and not look at revenue, you're not going to be in this endless circle of like, we, we got more revenue, but ROAS went down. Yeah. Can, can we just, can we not say money. ROAS anymore? Cause I hate ROAS. it so much. Can we just say efficiency, <laughs> right? Like efficiency. how, how, how efficient yeah. is yes. the campaign efficiency. Efficiency and how much down. money am I making or, or in home builder mm-hmm. speak, how many leads am I getting and how much do I mm-hmm. pay per lead? It's kind of that same thing. Yeah. And, and that again, it drives us back to the sales needs or operational needs of the company. If we're not getting enough from what we're doing, we can be as efficient as possible, but oftentimes the sales manager, the division president, someone looks at us eventually and says, just spend the dang money and make it happen. You're like, great. Yep. Got it. I mean, cost per lead went from $5 to 15, but now we've got, you know, we've met our goal. We sold five more houses for Mm -hmm. X amount. Mm -hmm. And so the seesaw that he's talking about, the ascending seesaw of scaling awesomeness is essentially saying, as first you're going to to spend the money to get the growth. And then as you have revenue coming in the door and you know what's working, that's when you start working on efficiency. Fair enough, Andrew. What I think is interesting though about this article, and you definitely should read it in the show notes, is that's somewhat different than a lot of the approaches that we would take with a new builder partner when we start with them, where we actually want, the efficiency because we know the keywords we're targeting very precisely. This is talking about in Kirk's article, it's talking about, Hey, we, this is a new market for us. We created a new product line. We don't really know, like we can't be efficient because we don't know the answer yet. Whereas we start out by saying, you know, it's actually easier to not create a bigger pile of hay because we already know where the needle is. Like, let us just start with a small amount of money first, prove the concept, and then grow it. Because it's it's almost harder for us to go backwards. Does that make sense? Any, any better way to say that, Andrew? Yeah, I think so. For us, we know, and we, we talked about on the, sh- on the show and elsewhere. Like, we know the best keywords. So it'd be like new homes, and then what city you build in. Mm-hmm. Contrasting to this article, I think they're talking about selling a high-end razor that was like seventy-five dollars. So they don't know what works for that product, like, is it men's razor? Is it luxury razor? Is it straight blade razor? Whatever the mm-hmm. keywords are. So you have to figure out what would grow the revenue. And as you add on different layers of keywords, the efficiencies will decrease. So if, if you don't know what works and you kind of have to have that seesaw effect of like, we're going to add more keywords, want to cut what doesn't work, keep what does, and then we're going to try to repeat that process over and over. But because we know what the best keywords are, we don't have to go through that seesaw. Although you could say that we, could have gone through that seesaw like just organically, but like over time versus like a single builder. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, collectively, right? There's collective collectively, learning yeah. overall that's happening in that sense, but each individual builder partner doesn't have to pay for an inefficient, an inefficient program for us to learn. Correct. It's just making small adjustments that we're seeing. Like a couple of years ago, adding the term near me was big, right? Yep. Homes near me. All right. On to 
a lighthearted one, kind of, unless you're an SEO fanatic, but I cracked me up. So we have a member of our team, <laughs> Kevil, who also does SEO work. And we were doing our, our happy crappies for the week. The rule is you have to have a happy, you don't have to have a crappy. And Kevil's like, well, Google's my crappy because they ruined my life on Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Ruined. So from searchengineland.com, a Google search bug wreaked havoc on the search results for Monday night. The issue lasted several hours, putting the SEO community in a bit of a panic mode. This is written by Barry <laughs> Schwartz. I follow him on Twitter. He's a he's, he's a very interesting guy. But it just basically turned the world upside down. There's a screenshot here of so the Google <laughs> uptake today is so 2020, and it just shows a dumpster fire in the middle of a flood. <laughs> With, with 2020 on it. <laughs> and it was like pushing Reddit results and Pinterest results above companies who had been, you know, in the top three positions on Google for years and years and really dominated what they were doing. And it just, more than anything else, besides I love the idea of SEO types who are very particular people, just having their whole world messed up. It, there's something that <laughs> makes that funny for me. I don't know why. So mean. Is it does show the incredible power. Like Kevin was saying, some of the companies that he has worked with on SEO, they were just like, we're, we, we make no money as of, as of Monday afternoon. The money flow just stopped. No more sales, no more, no more traffic because Google had a bug. Yeah, and the timing's funny. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the hearings and the power of Google. And Google's like, oh no, you have so many options. And then Google has a glitch and it, sends everybody on a tailspin. So it just, yeah, proves the power of their changes. I agree. Yeah. Thankfully, it only lasted about four hours. But some of the graphs in this article just show like traffic going from like 500 visitors an hour to the site to basically zero. That's insane. So uh, and what do you do? I don't do, What do you do? Can't, exactly. Can't do anything about it. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. Nope. All right, last news article for today from Inman.com. Are we witnessing the end of professional real estate photography? With full service, overnight editors, apps, creative middlemen, and the rise of smartphone camera capabilities, have professional photographers lost their hold on listings? Now, of course, Inman is in a used home news site, so they're talking about existing inventory, used, used home photos. But the premise essentially is, hey, professional photographers, even if they can get business, they're offered sums of money that are so low in comparison to what they're used to getting paid that it's going to potentially drive them out of business entirely. And uh, P Peter from Box Brownie, who is a, it's a great service. We, we love it. One of the photo editing based out of Australia. So you, know, you can send your pictures there to them today. You'll get them back tomorrow and then they'll be done and fixed for, for pennies or a couple bucks a piece. You know, he basically says since the inception of the iPhone 11 Pro, the game has changed. Smartphones like that one and the Samsung Galaxy S20 are just as good, if not better, than higher priced digital SLRs. So are we are we done? Is professional photography a thing of the past? Builders we found another way for you to save some money in the pandemic. What do you guys think? I don't think that professional photographers are totally out of the picture because it doesn't fix the fact that 
sales agents really don't know how to frame up a photograph. Yep. You can fix exposure <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, you can fix saturation. You can Photoshop out the port john from the front yard. You can do a lot of that stuff. But to your point, Becca, you can't yet reframe the photo after yeah. it's been taken. I say yet yeah, because I don't know if you guys saw um, Jeff Turner on Twitter posted, I think it's Google who has created an algorithm that takes all of the publicly shared pictures of a physical place in the world and recreates it in 3D. So that oh, wow. you can, like, they have not sent out a special Google camera. They're just taking all the pictures that anyone's ever taken of the Acropolis that are publicly available on image sites and <laughs> rebuilt the Acropolis in 3D. That's, That's ridiculous. Crazy. Yeah, I would but think you can't the, reframe it right now. I would think the realtors that maybe they don't list that many homes so they they're not selling that many they might mm -hmm. view this as like oh cool i don't i don't have a photographer that i use all the time anyways i could just yeah. do it on my phone and do this service but those that are busy or home builders i can't imagine like if they have their photographers on you know hey, i need this picture this house photograph okay thanks i can't oh. imagine it affecting that market other than price a bit i think but that's probably as it gets more commoditized the price is going to go down yeah um and as more people, I don't know if more people now have better cameras or not, would you say? Like more capable cameras and they're looking for like, an, like say with Instagram and like content creators and stuff like as a side hustle to their side hustle. Well, I, I think the money. reason, yeah, mo most influencers are still using professional uh, cameras or semi-professional yeah. cameras. And there's a reason for that. I think the reason why Peter says the iPhone 11 Pro, in Pro. particular <clears throat> is because yeah. of the wide angle lens quality. Yeah. is what makes it more useful for real estate, right? So, yes. so when you've got a wide angle lens for interior spaces, it makes a huge difference. And so until that was capable, sure, you could take a picture of a family room and get like half of it in the frame. And now you can get the whole, yeah. whole space. Yeah. And I think um, HDR photos are standard too. Like that's like the default yep. option. On the, yeah. yeah. Yep. It is. Julie, any thoughts before I... Well, and kind of, I mean, this is a little bit off topic, but we had somebody the other day who was talking about, oh, I don't remember what they were hiring for, graphic designer or something. And um, they're like, I don't know if I have enough work for it. And this is your opportunity to get someone who has some photography skills, who has mm -hmm. some video editing skills. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have to have a professional photographer on staff if your team's not that big, but as you're hiring for other things, find somebody with some of those skills, you know, they're, they're out there. Yeah. Sometimes if they have an eye for graphic design, they have an eye for some of these other things too. So we uh, still at Ideal Homes, our graphic designer did some photography, but it's still time consuming. I mean, we yes. hated for her to be in the field constantly. So we still used some outside contractors, but she was able to manage that because she had a good eye for it and could tell them, you know, you're not getting this right. You're getting that. And she could edit some of the photos. So, you know, just think around some of those things. Yeah. It's a really Same. good point though, Julie, because think about all the time and energy that companies put into how to virtually sell when the pandemic first hit. I know a builder who, I think I, I might've talked about this too. They trained for like a day and a half with their sales team so that everyone was, was knew how to be set up for a virtual screen sharing session and get to any piece of content they might want to share in, in three clicks or less. I mean, that's a lot of time and energy. And wh why are we not just 
actually bringing in a professional photographer or having someone on the team who knows this teach the rest of the team in a workshop setting how to do it better. Yeah. I mean, I remember hmm. everyone on my team at Heartland who had joined the marketing team, there were two rules. One was that you got Photoshop and, and Illustrator in a workbooks and you had to complete them in like the first couple months that you were on the job so that you could open anything up and edit it if you needed to. And the second one was, here's the, you know, the department camera. And if you're going out in the field for any reason, you grab it and take it with you so that you can swing by and get a couple pictures here or there. And I think that's just something that this article is saying. It's easy enough now that it, if you are just better than terrible, yeah. you can get apps and services like Box Brownie to get you the rest of the way. For yeah. sure. And I think right. it could be quick. Then we have Andy Gots, Gotsman, am I mm-hmm. pronounce his, from MI. Mm-hmm. He, I forget, he would always take photos out and I feel like he had it down to like, a process 45 minutes for a home. Yeah, he was, he know, was their OSC yeah. too. And so yeah. he yeah. wanted to walk through every home so that he could communicate most clearly when people are asking questions, he'd be like, I've been in that home. Just like a, a waiter pictures. who's like, yes, I've had that. It's good, yeah. which makes a ton of sense. So while he was out there, he thought, I'm just going to take pictures and yeah, got it down I know to that When I worked for the builder and we really needed photographs, but then in the budget, they were having a hard time allowing me to spend X amount on a photographer. And I said, well, what if you just bought me a wide-angle lens and I use my own camera? And they said, oh, yeah. So then right. all of a sudden, this huge dollar amount turned into like 500 bucks. And then, you know, 45 minutes of my time every time we needed a house uh, photographed. Yep. It's a quick and easy solution to save the yeah. company money. and to go visit homes. And at the end of the day, my final thought here is this just sounds like real estate agents complaining about Zillow or anything else. Like, oh, they're taking my jobs. Now everyone's a photographer. Kind of. Um, Not everyone's a storyteller. The the company that does all the video work for Do You Convert, every time I talk to him, you know, he's like, well, everyone's got to, but no one, not very many people can edit well. And certainly not edit in a way that tells a story. I mean, I find myself having to re-edit our builder partners videos all the time because there's that slow 10 minute introduction thing of their logo that no one wants to see. (laughs) The pacing of it is just very slow. I mean, let's, let's pick it up here. And so the point here is the professional photographers need to get better and more efficient and potentially even use the same services. Cause imagine how good a professional photographer and how fast they could get through a home if they knew that they didn't have to double check the exposure at all. They could just know I'm going to send all these to Box Brownie when I'm done for $7 anyway. And I can charge less because I can spend half the time taking these pictures. They just need to augment themselves with the latest technology so they can charge less and keep the business. Okay, question of the week. This one we're definitely going to have a prize for. What should that prize (laughs) be? I think it should be a new camera. I've been Do joking it. around with the T like I have too many cameras here. So, and I just ordered a new one. Um, it doesn't come out until <laughs> September, but I'm going to send you an amazing Sony? camera. I feel like you like Sony. It is a Sony. Okay. Sony cool. has the best mirrorless cameras um, in the world. Not necessarily the best lens lineup that's Canon right now, but so you will get a Sony camera. Also oh, can do video really well. 
I want to know if you were in a Pulse 20 group, who would you want to have in your group? So this is your chance to call out your friends. It's up to your boss. Uh, but who who would you want to have? Or maybe your favorite person from Do You Convert? Who would you want to have in Ooh. your Pulse 20 group? And I think if you pick Kevin, that doesn't mean you're going to get the camera. <laughs> no, in fact, we're going to punish you. If you pick Kevin <laughs> and I'm your only pick, then you're automatically disqualified for the That's camera. Funny. So you really have to want to say Kevin if you, uh, if you want. You're sacrificing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. That's oh, a good shoot. question. Oh, man. All right. Uh, and preview of things to come. We are going to have Scott Stratton on a future episode of the podcast. So you'll get a, a quick preview as well of, of what Unmarketing is all about. If you haven't read his book, um, which I would highly encourage you to do so or check out the audio audiobook version. He'll be on here soon. Uh, I think we just booked like another three guests over the next week and a half. So more good cool. stuff to come. Cool. But for now, that's it. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. Oh, and don't forget, you can call in with your questions on this episode or any other to 404-369-2595 or email them to show at doyouconvert.com. Have a good week, everyone. We'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. Bye.